started. Welcome to another episode of Scale Up Sound Bites. I'm your host, Sam Elderfield, one of the founders here at Scale Up. Um, we're giving you some um, little nuggets of energy from the people in our community um, who we have worked with in the past and sort of networked with in the past. And I'd uh, love to give you the information about how you guys can help you scale up your teams and your careers. Today, we are going to be talking to Renil Muhammad, someone who I have known for a long time back in the day when he was working as an engineering manager at CBA, doing a bit of recruitment for him back then. And then I've seen him grow and move over to uh, down to Melbourne. Um, and uh, head up and join OpenTable as a director of engineering, which we're, we're going to talk about today and really look at how you guys can help scale up your team. And we're going to talk about inefficiencies in the hiring process and why a long hiring process can really impact your ability to close candidates to join your team and what they um, experience firsthand in, uh, in them losing out and missing out on talent and then what they did to change this. So uh, what we're going to do is really discuss and look at the sort of how they identified the bottlenecks in the interview process, how they were able to handle the internal stakeholders to remove these bottlenecks to allow for a quick um, hire, what the offer process looked like and what the what how they were able to move quickly um, to do so and what that how that impacted their offer to acceptance ratio. So, Renil, thanks, mate. Thank you so much for coming. And, um, yeah, let's get started. How are you, mate? What's good? Absolutely. What's no, thank you so much for having me here. Um, I've been good. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's good and stuff. And, and uh, yeah, I'm really, really excited to be here to talk to you, Sam. Oh, thank you, mate. Thank you very much. Means a lot. Means a lot. All right. So do you want to just run, run us through how it all started? Like, um, I guess, the interview process of what you sure. had at OpenTable and how it was impacting uh, your ability to hire talent at the time? Absolutely. So uh, what I'll probably do is, is uh, maybe start off with uh, providing you context and then take it from there. So sure. when I joined OpenTable, uh, you know, we had about eight engineers uh, in, in the Melbourne office. Um, and, you know, we looked after one one particular vertical. And so the uh, there was uh, an appetite from, from the uh, executive team to uh, scale the Melbourne office, you know, invest a lot more, especially during the you know, COVID when there was a... Um, a, a massive, I think, com- competition and push to to hire in in other countries like this, you know, San Francisco is an example, right? So we initially started with uh, hiring a few people first, uh, you know, so so they decided to test the waters. Uh, ended up giving us a few roles to hire initially. What we struggled with uh, when we st- when we started doing this was one. We were in direct competition with other companies out there, right? So this was post-COVID when companies were, you know, throwing money and they were quite aggressively looking to hiring people. And there was a lot of, uh, you know, push to hire as quickly as we possibly can. Yep. So what we, what we found was um, our hiring processes uh, had a lot to be desired. I mean, we were doing the whole stock standard of, uh, you know, let's put the ad out. Let's get the, our talent acquisition team to hire people, like interview people first. Then we do a uh, first round of interviews, you know, we'd then do technical tests, second round of interviews, third round of interviews, you know, in, in some cases we ended up doing like five, potentially six rounds of interviews. Now, oh, right. wow. Some of the challenges we found was one, people had a lot of options, right? So they really weren't sticking around for, by the time we get to the, the fourth round, right? They, they weren't mm. sticking around. They were accepting offers from other companies. Yep. The other thing that we found um, was that uh, our expectation and standards that we were putting these candidates through was unrealistic. 
You know yeah. what I mean? Like we had this high expectation of we want this person. We want a unicorn that can do everything from coding to leadership to, to uh, you know, the whole works kind of thing. Uh, the other the other challenge we also found was um, we were, you know, there was, we were, it was costing us a lot more because every role that is open for a long period of time, that just meant that we weren't getting team members in. We were losing out on, you know, potentially capitalizing on opportunities. Right? So the initial set of people that we hired, we went through the whole process of, uh, you know, inefficient hiring um, and, you know, massive rounds of hiring uh, as such. So that kind of got us thinking. Um, now, the challenge for us actually happened, and this is the context of it, right, was when my team was given, I think, if memory serves me correct, close to about 10 roles to hire mm. within within a quarter. So Perfect. the exec teams came up and said, "Look, you know what? Here's 10 roles. You've got a quarter to fill them in. Uh, you know, yep. we, we, we managed to get budget from somewhere else. And if you don't fill them in within this quarter, we'll have to then, you know, move that budget somewhere else. And then you yeah. lose out. Use it or lose it. Lose exactly. Use yeah, it yeah, yeah. It. So yeah, that, it happens all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was an incentive for us to potentially hire 10, I think it was 10 to 12 roles. I, I don't remember, right? But it was a sure. massive amount of roles. Yeah. To hire within within three months, and yep. it, it ranged from you know senior engineers to mid level engineers, iOS, Android, um, you know web engineers kind of thing. Yes, so exactly. we really that kind of was a trigger for us to really reevaluate, you know, one what our hiring process was, two, you know, streaming lining so, so we can actually hire quicker and then fill those uh, roles, but you know do so without compromising on quality. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. That and as I mentioned, that was the trigger for us, and then and, and uh, we did a few things. So I can talk about, I guess, you know, a few things that we did to streamline our you know interview process. And yeah. I'm happy for you to you know question me in each one. We can deep dive into that as we go along. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So the first thing that we did, and and I think this is very very important because this is something that uh, we kind of realized that we were doing as well, and 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 I yeah. think a lot of companies do this incorrectly as well. The first thing that we did was uh, we, you know, uh, the, the the engineers that was helping me interview, I got them all into into a room together, mm. and the first thing that we did was we had a discussion among ourselves, and clarified exactly what we were looking for in the potential candidate, yeah. right? Like what 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 attributes do we want from these potential candidates? What roles are we looking to filling in? What's our expectation? What are some of the things we're willing to teach? versus some of the expectations we have of candidates coming in. Uh, that helped a lot, right? Because as we were discussing, as we were talking amongst uh, amongst ourselves, we also challenged certain things. Uh, an example would be, you know, for example, right? Like we, we one of the technology stacks we used was Kafka as an, as an example. Yeah. And we had a conversation amongst ourselves in terms of, uh, do we really want to hire someone who's got intense experience with Kafka? Or are we willing to hire someone who's got experience with, you know, equivalent technology stacks mm-hmm. and teach them, right? Mm. Uh, and this was, uh, you know, wh- one of the, the examples of where we, we basically started making decisions around, all right, X, Y, and Z, no brainer. We have to have this experience, you know, A, B, and C, we are willing to teach. And therefore, if someone doesn't have experience in this, it's not going to be a deal breaker for us. Yeah? The yep. other thing that, that uh, we did, which helped tremendously, we taught, like we, we ran sort of training sessions for uh, our engineers who were involved in the interview process and taught yep. them 
how to interview empathetically. Yes. So you know, interesting. And this 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 was was a massive massive uh, improvement. I'll give you an example of what what oh. I mean, right? Yeah, Sometimes yeah. when when engineers go into interview, like I said, because we have such high as as interviewers, right? We have such yes. high unrealistic standards that we want candidates <laughs> to to reach. Yeah. That we are very um, aggressive at at, at uh, you know marking candidates out. What we yeah. don't realize is that interview processes can be very, very stressful, especially mm. for candidates who are probably out in the market who really want this role mm. and are afraid of screwing things up, right? Like that puts a lot of undue pressure on them. So they come into this interview, you know, not necessarily being their best self, right? That they're under mm-hmm. pressure, they're stressed out, they're, they're nervous, uh, you know, they, they will fumble. They, they, will, they, will, they will actually, you know, say things, uh, you know, which may not necessarily be the best you know, way of doing so. Yeah, sure. So for us, it was very important to one, train our interviewers to be very empathetic. Um, two, we, we train them to, uh, you know, read body language. Uh, you know, okay. our, is our candidates nervous? And if they are, what can you do to make them feel at ease? Yeah. Um, if you've asked a specific question, for example, and, and they're struggling to answer, can you reword the question differently? To make it easier, mm-hmm. um, if you're if you're talking to them and, and and then they're struggling to understand what you want, can you give them hints, right? Like it's, there's nothing wrong with you giving them hints to say no, 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 this is what we're after. You know, yep. talk to me about it. Um, and even things like uh, you know teaching them to have conversations rather than interrogation. You know what I mean? Like you're not there interrogating candidates. Mm-hmm. You're there conversing with them. You know, you you're trying to see. If this chemistry, you're trying to see this synergy. So that's something that we did, which, which helped a lot. And uh, to some degree, it, it also made the interviewers, right, the, the engineers who were helping us interview, it made them appreciate the importance of being that person to, to uh, you know, help, you know, set the stage and, and, and create an environment where the candidate yeah. felt, uh, you know, comfortable. Yeah, yeah. So sure. that, that, was, that was another thing that we did, again, massive, massive improvement. It yeah. didn't help with the efficiency, but it actually helped take away the biasness, if you right, know what okay. I mean. Yeah. You know, uh, sometimes you, you go into Absolutely. an interview and, and if someone doesn't answer the question exactly like you wanted, you know, you'd actually have the, the, your bias kick in and you're like, well, this guy is not really, really good. Yeah, interesting. Um, so anyway, those two were, were what we started off with. The the third thing that we did, which, which uh, you know, again, it, it, it can be a little unorthodox, but the third thing that we did was we questioned as to why we needed four to five rounds of interviews. Absolutely. Right? Yep. Like why? Like what, what will five rounds give us that potentially two rounds can't? And so we ended up reducing our, our interview sessions to just two rounds of interviews. Right? Yep. Three rounds, if we're on the fence and we just need to have one more conversation to, you know, convince ourselves, but yep. more or less two rounds. Now, this is how it worked. Actually, let me let me rephrase that, right? Two rounds of official interview, but obviously, you know, we had our talent ecosystem team reach out and start the initial conversation. So if we take the, the initial conversation into, into play, you know, that's technically speaking three rounds, right? Sure. So what the process was, was one, We'd get the resume, we'd go through it, and we'd vet it. Um, and then we'd give the, the uh, you know, uh, yes or no to our talent negotiation team to say, look, this is a good candidate. Let's start the conversation. Let's, you know, mm-hmm. have the conversation with this person. So what our talent negotiation team would do is they would reach out to the candidate, and mm-hmm. they would 
kick off the conversation, like get to know the candidate more, uh, understand what the candidate was looking for, you know, ask the basic fundamental questions, you know, what's your salary expectations? Uh, what are some of the things you're looking for? What your career aspirations are long-term, you know, yada, yada, yada. This allowed uh, one, two things, right? This allowed us to get a, a sense of whether or not it's, it's worth kicking off the conversations with the candidate and taking it forward. But two, it gave the talent negotiation team an opportunity to sell us. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to pivot very slightly just to talk about something which is close to me, which it's my opinion, by the way, right? Like you have to take it with a grain of salt. But one of the things that, that uh, really frustrates me is when companies have this exaggerated sense of their self-worth. Uh, and then I'll try mm-hmm. to explain to you what I mean about this, right? What happens is, uh, you know, candidates, when, when they apply to you, you go in there with with this exaggerated sense that, that of, of your self-importance. And, and that causes you to... to um, to look at the candidates, you know, with with the uh, how do I say this, with with low value, or um, you, you don't treat them with this as much respect as they deserve, and you end up uh, having this this cockiness about you when you interview them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. And and what ends up what ends up happening there is you you end up asking weird, stupid questions, which I think is no longer relevant. You know, questions like why do you want to work for us? Yeah. Now you have to take this with a grain of salt because this is just my opinion, right? But Whenever we, we, we'd ask questions to candidates, the whole idea was, what's the purpose of this question? Like, yeah. If you ask a question like, why do you want to work for us? What's the purpose? What is it that you were trying to ascertain? What, are, what is it that mm-hmm. you're trying to get out of this? Yeah, sure. They, they can come up with some bullshit answer of, hey, you know, you're, you're, a, you're a good company. You're doing this. And I've been following you. And I, <laughs> but, what, you know. Tell you what you want to hear. That's it, right? Like, like, will it give you the information you want to be able to make the decision? Mm. That was very, very important to us, right? So for me, the whole idea was when we started the interview uh, process with the candidates, we were very, very specific. Like we were very clear about the kinds of questions we would ask. So going back into this, right? Like going back into the whole process, the the approach or the, or the, or the, or the or these phases that we had with candidates, right? Phase After the, the talent acquisition person had that initial conversation, the first initial interview was an interview between me and our engineering manager with the candidate. And the interview was focused on behavioral questions. So behavioral questions, uh, a bit of technical questions in there, obviously, but a lot of it was us getting a sense of whether this person, one, is going to be a really good cultural fit, cultural ed to our team. Two, we wanted to ascertain the past behavior of this this person because that gave us confidence. You know, past behavior is, is a really good indication of future behavior. Mm-hmm. So we would ask questions about how they approach certain scenarios in the past. And that gave sure. us a bit of an idea of, of whether or not uh, this person would end up being a really good fit for us. We also, um, you know, used that opportunity to ask a lot of questions or, situ- or gave them a lot of situation in terms of, hey, how would you deal with this? How would you deal with that? If you had a situation where you had conflicts between other engineers, how would you deal with that, right? Um, the idea behind this initial um, in your interview was to get a sense of whether or not this is the kind of person we want in our team. This is the kind of person who would come and help us challenge things, would help us take our teams to the next level, mm-hmm. would work very well with the other teams and, and, and actually have a sense of camaraderie, right? That, mm-hmm. that was the main purpose behind it. But it also was an opportunity for us to sell ourselves. So mm-hmm. part of, of what we did, for every question that we asked, we followed it up with context. All right, look, this is the reason we're asking you this question. This is the reason yep. we're doing this, right? So an example would be, 
Uh, here's an example. Here's an example of a question. One of the questions I would ask you is, uh, let's say the scenario is you are given a particular problem and you're working with uh, a seasoned engineer who's been with us, um, say, for five, six years. You both come up with different approaches to the problem. You know, your approach is A, his approach yep. is B. And he, you know, the, this, the engineer who's been with us is quite firm in his resolution. This is the way we'll do it. This is the reason why. And, and that's it. Now, you know that your approach, you know, is, is, is the right approach to do this. Yeah, what sure. are some of the things that you'll do to convince the other engineer? Yeah, good how you go about it? Yeah, so, so forth. And then we'll back it up with the with context. Look, to give you context, we don't have difficult people, but we have strong opinionated engineers. We have engineers who've been with us for, for a long period of time. And we have engineers who probably are so comfortable with our systems that they are probably, you know, uh, opinionated in, in, in a particular approach. You know, yep. So back it up with, with context. Now, what we found with, the, with this process is, one, by the time we finished it, we had a really good sense of whether this candidate would be a good cultural fit or not. Sure. But at the same time, by the time the candidate left us, the candidate we left the candidate feeling eager to join us. You know, mm. we, we talked mm-hmm. to the candidate about our career aspirations and growth. How do we support engineers? What are some of the projects that we'll be working with? Um, you know, the, the culture of the team, how we worked, and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, but that kind of, uh, you know, inspired the candidate to continue with us. Now, immediately after that, what we ended up doing was we'd send the candidate a technical exercise to, to take home. Okay. All right? yep. Now, we debated about this. Uh, like one option that, that we were thinking about is how about we get the candidate to come in and do a whiteboarding session with us? Like that was something that was on the table. Yep. The other option was um, we give a candidate a timed uh, exercise to do. And we basically say, right, you got an hour to complete this. And, and, we, and we see how good the candidate uh, is able to do this under pressure. We looked at various options and then we decided that we wanted to be very realistic about the way we, we gave the exercise to the candidate. Now, Long term, when someone joins us, we're not going to sit there with a stopwatch. Okay, mm-hmm. we're not going to sit there with a stopwatch timing you on how quickly you're able to get a, a particular solution out of the door. I right. think that's yeah, unrealistic. Yeah. yeah. Secondly, I mean, in, in in most cases, if we do go through a whiteboard session, th- there's no undue pressure in there, right? There's no pressure of, hey, we're we're observing you, we're monitoring you. If, if you if you screw up, you know, you know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll kind of question you, kind of thing. So. Those two scenarios we decided to, to to not proceed with because they added undue pressure to the candidate. Yeah, and they, they yeah. you know, they, they, they don't realistically give you what the candidate is capable of doing. Mm-hmm. So we decided to go with the whole process of, hey, here's an exercise that we'd like you to do. We split the exercise into two parts. One part was, here's um, a technical exercise, here's a problem statement, and we'd like you to implement a solution for it. Cool. The other part was, Here's a um, a particular project that we want to do. We'd like you to think about the architecture of that, and 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 uh, you know give us suggestions as to how you would go around architecting this solution, right? Yep. Then we'd give the candidate as much time as they needed. Mm-hmm. You know, you, we know you've got a full-time job. We know you're probably a parent. You know, you're probably quite busy. Take it home. Come back to us whenever you've done. Use whatever resources you've got. Google things up, whatever it may be, right? Yeah. The idea was, we want you to be able to to come up with a solution on your own and take away that undue, unnecessary pressure of timing it. Once we got the solution back, our team reviewed it and we'd go through it and then we'd come up with a series of questions to ask about the solution, mm-hmm. right? 
And then we'd invite the candidate for a third round of interview. I'm sorry, the second round of interview, my, my bad. Now, in this second round of interview, it was very, very technical. We'd get our, our, our senior engineers to be in that. And the focus was, you know, on the solution that they gave to us. So yep. we deep dive on the solution. Talk to talk to us about your thought process. Why did you do it in this particular way? Uh, you know, what are some of the challenges you think you you would have faced if you had done it some other way? Or now that you've submitted it, you know, if you had to refactor it, what would you mm-hmm. go about doing it right? Yeah, and then sure, we'd ask sure. very specific questions. So, hey, if, if, the, if the if the requirements changed, and we ended up giving this, how would you change your application? Or if we suddenly had a requirement to extend it, how would you go about expanding your application? Right? So it gave us a, uh, an opportunity to to ask very specific real world, uh, you know, give them real world scenarios and ask real world questions as, as such. Yeah, sure. Um, but it also gave us a bit of an idea as to what this candidate's thought process would be, right? How would they implement it? Uh, you know, how would they go about this? Now, the main reason we, we did this and we, we ended up giving candidates as much time as they needed, um, two reasons, right? Like, like I said, take away the under pressure. But, uh, but at the same time, what we were very keen on is the, the candidate's thought process. Like, yeah. you know, what's your thought process? Why have you approached it this particular way? Why have you, you know, solved it in this particular manner? And if the, if the requirements change, how would you tackle it differently? Mm-hmm. Uh, this gave, gave uh, you know, the, the candidate an opportunity to take us through, through things. And honestly speaking, even if, if they, they made a mistake, if they came back and said, look, now that I had a chance to think about it, I would have done it differently. That's good enough for us because that's generally what happens, right? In in your yeah. day-to-day, you'll implement something, you'll submit it for code reviews, you, you get you know peer feedback, you know, you have an opportunity you make to mistakes. You yeah. it. That's it, right? That's it, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine to make mistakes because you will have an opportunity to rework it. You'll have an yeah. opportunity to to improve it as you go along, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the biggest mistake that we make sometimes, is is uh, we just give them one opportunity, one chance to get it right. And mm. if they don't, that's it, you know, off the yeah. go kind of thing. Now, here's some of the things that we did to ensure those two rounds were sufficient for us. Okay. Let me start off by maybe talking about a thought process as, as we had. What we identified as part of the discussion is regardless of how we interview people, there's no guarantee that this person would end up being the right fit. Okay, yeah. and let, let me try and explain uh, explain that with with um, our let, let me try and explain that. One, some people interview really really well. Yeah, sure. Like some yeah. people are very exceptional at interviewing. They're extroverted. Uh, you know, they 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 have the gift of gab, but they may not necessarily be the best person for your team. Mm-hmm. Some people are possibly introverted and and they struggle with interviewing. They struggle. Sure. Heaps, especially with development. Yeah, exactly. Mm. But that doesn't mean that they might be a bad fit for you, right? Mm -hmm. So for us, the whole thing is, what can we do to improve the probability of getting the right person in the team? Okay, Mm -hmm. regardless of whether the person is able to interview well or not. And so, what we ended up doing was, like I said, one, we ended up making a list of what is it that, that we really need the candidate to have experience in. And what are some of the things we're willing to teach? The other thing that we did was we were very specific about the kinds of questions we were asking. Yeah. You know, like I mentioned, if we ask this particular question, what is it that we hope to learn out of that? Yeah. 
Okay, so it kind of forced us to to get rid of unnecessarily questions that's out there. You know, why do you yeah. want to work for us? Uh, why do you want to leave your existing stuff? You know, stuff like that. Um, I'm not saying that those are those are really bad questions. I'm just saying that for us, we identified that they didn't have any relevance for us. Like, do you they, have a set? Always have like a set amount of like set questions to ask when you're preparing for the interview. We we did so so yep. those, we we had the base set of questions. But then we also gave our our interviewers flexibility to pivot depending on on how the interview was going. For sure, you know sometimes uh, you know you'd ask one question that give you answers to the subsequent two questions after that, which means yeah, yeah of course, it's done and dusted. Don't waste time asking them; just move on, kind of thing. Yeah. But every question that we asked, um, there was a purpose behind it. Like, why is this question important? What is it that we want to get yeah. out of it? And how will this help us make the decision whether this is the right candidate or not? Yeah. The other thing that we did was we. To try and get away the subjectivity of, of this, right? We made a list of what is it that we were um, assessing, and how do we rate the candidate? So, example would be things like technical, cultural fit, um, ability to to solve complex problems, uh, critical thinking, you know, working closely with other people, you know, problem solving skills, whatever it may be, right? Mm-hmm. And for each one, we decided on how to rate the candidate, and the rating was one, two, or three. Okay, so one was literally. Yep, not very good at this. Two was on the fence. Three was exceptional. Um, but the whole thing was we identified out of that which ones we were willing to teach. So if the person didn't have experience with uh, working with Kafka, it's fine. It's just a technology stack. Okay, yeah. we can teach it. Yeah, yeah. Um, as long as this person has demonstrated in the past the ability to pick up new things and has demonstrated that in the past the person was quite proactive in learning things, it's mm-hmm. okay. So if this person didn't have experience with Kafka, it's just a technology stack. We'll teach it. Every good engineer worth uh, their weight in salt will be able to pick something up within a month. You know what yeah, I mean? Okay. Yeah. So that's another thing that we, we did. Um, the other stuff that the, uh, that we did as part of this, which, which really helped us, was we didn't waste time. Immediately after the interview finished, we got everyone into the room and, and we made a decision there and then. Yeah, fantastic. Like immediately. So, you know, while it's still fresh, hey, everyone, we've just finished this yep. interview. Let's get into a room. Let's go through it. Let's have a discussion. Let's make a decision. The decision is either no, yes, yep. or actually I'm on the fence. Let's get this candidate for a third round of interview. And if we get this candidate in for a third round of interview, these are the questions we're going to ask to get clarity on, on, on the things that we have concerns yep. about. Okay. And yeah, so what triggered that? So was it if there was... One person said, yeah, like, what was it, like a majority thing? Like, how, how did that process go? Um, this is, and then, and then this, is, this is the thing that we tried to do, okay? Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So the whole idea was we wanted everyone to say yes before we, yep. we hired the candidate. Yeah. So if one person said no and everyone said yes, we gave the opportunity to the person who said no to justify his or her answer. Mm-hmm. Why was it no? Like, let's let's talk about yep. it, okay? Was it anything specific? Was it anything that the person, the candidate said that, that made you a no? Now, the main reason we did this was it gave us an opportunity to, one, understand where this person was coming from, but it also gave us an opportunity to for each one of us to jump in and clarify. Yeah, uh, sure. So a, a really, really good example would be, um, you know, one of the person would say, hey, look, we, we asked the candidate how they would deal with a, with a uh, conflict. And the, and the candidate said something about this, and the candidate said, uh, I'll escalate it to, our, to my manager. Okay? Um, and then, therefore, I kind of feel like that's not the kind of person we want. We don't want someone who just comes in and escalates things. We want someone who will be able to solve it themselves. 
Um, but then, you know, another engineer would jump in and say, no, 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 no. To, to clarify, what this person said was, he is not adverse to ex- uh, escalating it if it needs to, right? If it gets to the point where you're in an impasse and you can't make a decision, then we'll escalate it to someone who can help, you yeah. know, break this. And so you get to a point where like, okay, no, that's actually a good thing. That's not, not a bad thing at all. Like, yeah, right? yeah. Instead of, Maybe um, there's just some breakdown in communication for what that, was actually said. Yeah, That's it, right? So, so it gave us an opportunity to clarify things. It gave us an opportunity to say, no, 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 no. This is what this person meant. And, yep. and and we we'd have an opportunity to to uh, discuss now. If this person ended up being convinced, and then we had majority vote, or everyone said yes, we'd make the offer. Like we yep. wouldn't wait. The idea behind this was: look, we can see 101 candidates, um, but the harsh reality is: is if we feel this candidate is is the right fit, then why are we waiting? Let's make an offer. Don't wait. Yeah, I love that. You know that. what I mean? Yeah. The the uh, it's it's. And this is this is this is the example I gave to my my team, right? To 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 bring my point home, I, I gave two specific scenarios. One scenario was, it's like dating, you know. Mm. <clears throat> Sorry, um, every third fourth person that you date, it, it it confuses you. It makes it harder for you to make a decision and be decisive. And the harsh reality is, is no one will be perfect. Very few candidates will be perfect, and they'll check all the boxes. For us, the important thing was. What are things that we don't want to compromise on? And if the candidate checks all of that, and if we, we have the ability to teach, let's just make the offer, right? The, the more mm-hmm. candidates we interview, the more confusion we'll add, the, the more uh, you know, we'll run the risk of losing the candidate. Yeah, absolutely, mate. The other scenario which I gave to them, which, which I think helped a lot, was this. If we interviewed three other candidates, and then we decided that, that candidate one was what we want to go with, and we went back and made the offer, and, and we found out that the candidate had already accepted the offer with somebody else, how disappointed would you be? And if the answer is, oh, I'm going to be really disappointed, then it's a no-brainer. Let's make the offer. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to be very disappointed. I think it'll be okay. I won't lose sleep over it. Okay, cool. In that case, that's not the right candidate for us. Because if you are going to be very disappointed, you know, if, if that candidate ended up taking another offer, mm. then that's a very good indication. That's the right, you know, uh, fit for us. Let's just make a decision, you know, very, very quickly. Yep. So our conversation would always be, why can't we make a decision right now to make the make the offer to the candidate? And and, and this helped us get rid of the subjectivity. It, it helped us not be on the fence anymore. And it forced my engineers to be very specific about the question they were asking because they were now responsible for making the decision about, uh, you know, an addition to the team. Um, it it took, took away the whole thing about, oh, let's just move on and see what happens or let's just continue, you know, uh, interviewing other candidates. But it also forced us to be very, um, I, I think, very aggressive about why is it that we can't make a decision in just two rounds of interviews? Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. No, absolutely. So it gave me clarity of, of being able to do that, which is, you know, such a fantastic thing. So um, just to recap, I think like going through that whole process, you were able to um, reduce the um, interview process down from five to two essential rounds, mm-hmm. sort of two and a half with technical tests thrown in there. Um, and what what you allowed us to do was really look at those two interviews and give the skills and tools to the people who are in those interviews to interview better. So yes. looking at the like looking at empathy, looking at removing those biases, having structure to interview questions to do so, which I think is like super important and allow us to do that. Because you know, I think when interviews go in and they get there are a bit unstructured unstructured, it does add a lot to bias because you kind of like tend to ask questions that if they're not answering 
to what you want to hear, what exactly. we talked about before, you're like, oh, it's not very right. Well, you don't know. You don't actually really know. Um, I think the first step as well was really important was look for people with, you know, good quality skills that, you know, um, or, or talent. But if they don't have the necessarily school, skills, they can learn them. Like a lot, of, a lot of the tools that you're talking, like Kafka, you gave a good example of. Um, you know, I see it with frameworks with JavaScript all the time. Is like, if like someone is a real good JavaScript developer, and if it's a new framework or something like that, oh no, they need to have it. So, well, do they really need to have it? Like, that's usually it. You gotta pick it up. Like, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. And, then, and, and for us, um, look, I think it's very important. Okay, when you hire someone. To, to to have a long-term vision, right? So whenever yep. we hire someone in, in my team, for example, right? My expectation is this person will be with us for at least three years, okay? Yeah. Now, the main reason I have that expectation is one, um, uh, we, like as a leader, um, I work very hard to, to make sure that the, the candidate or whoever's in my team is given the opportunity to grow, learn, upskill themselves, okay? Mm-hmm. And so the, the whole thing is, if I'm going to be doing this and we're going to have someone uh, with us for say three years and we're going to retain this, uh, this, uh, you know, member in my team for three years, at least then a month for them to pick up new skills and learn is, is very insignificant when you look at the, the, the large timeline. Mm-hmm. And then uh, because we do this, it, it makes it easier for us to say, that's fine. We can teach certain things. And the, and the other thing that, that a lot of people don't realize is more often than not, candidates have to give a, a month's notice. Yeah. This, there's nothing for you. It's not unheard of, or it's 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 quite acceptable, rather, for you to be able to go to a candidate and say, "Hey, we'd like to make you an offer." But one of the tools that, that we use quite significantly in, in in our day-to-day is Kafka, and you don't have much experience with it. What we'd love you to be able to do is in in that month that 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 uh, you have before you join us. Here's some of the things we'd recommend for you to do to read up on that. Oh, so fantastic. When, exactly. Yeah. So when you do join us, you can hit the ground running and, and you're not uh, you know, thrown in the deep end um, you know, with an anchor tighter on your, yeah, your yeah. legs. It's a great tool. Great tool. Yeah. All right, mate. I'm a bit conscious of time I, um, with what we've got here. And one question that sort of is burning, sure. were yes. you able to fill those roles? The, yes. The ten minutes that, <laughs> that time. Yeah. Do this interview process. We did. We did. Look, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm proud fantastic. to say we filled all the roles. Yeah. And uh, every, everyone that, that we hired. No, and, and that's the thing, right? Everyone that we hired, to to be honest, we were very very happy with. Yeah. Um, in in fact, some of the people that we hired, they didn't do really well in the interview at all. But because we didn't have biasness, we ended up making mm-hmm. the offer, and and they surprised us. They, they we were very pleasantly surprised at their attitude, the culture, the the the, uh, the the amount of stuff that they were able to do in a very short span of time. Yeah. Um, and that kind of reinforces the fact that, that not everyone interviews well. No, I think that's that's something that we have to be very conscious of. Yeah, and I think that's a very very big good point. Um, so I think like yeah, it's just if you've got that um. Mm, hindsight, no, not hindsight, but I guess openness to mm. under, or empathy to understand that not every interviews well, but you've got a good process that you can trust, you know, and have that sort of collective thought of making a decision at the end if they've gone through that process and done the things and tick the boxes. Well, then you can pull the trigger confidently, That's um, it. and then allow yourself to to go with it, knowing you made the right decision. That's the thing. And look, uh, once you acknowledge the fact that, that it's, uh, there's no guarantee, okay? There is no guarantee. There's no guarantee. I, th- I think once you, you've uh, acknowledged that fact, it makes it easier for you to make a decision. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times uh, we, we end up with uh, paralysis analysis, right? Like, or analysis mm. paralysis, rather, where 
we're, we're, tr- we're trying to, to really increase the probability of us making the right decision and increasing that confidence. And sometimes you have to trust your gut, like you have yep. to. Sometimes as long as you've, you've got everything in place to be able to give you a high vote of confidence, you know, it, it boils down to gut feel. Yeah. So if they're able to, yeah. So if they're able to pass, you know, get through that behavioral based interview process at the start, they've both, Mm. both you guys have made a decision of them joining and, you know, or or sorry, they'll look well, fit in well with the culture and the the company could be right for them. That gets out of the way in the first step process. They go home, they complete that technical assessment in their own time. Um, They come back and they book in the second stage interview, which is quite, sounds like a quite grueling technical interview, but also the ability for them to talk through their code and sort of answer questions and allow them to, you know, if they could make changes, what they would do and sort of explain and walk through it. Similar to like, you know, duplicating that in the working environment, which sounds quite quite ideal when you're looking to hire someone to work for you and your team. Yeah, I mean, and then here's the thing, right? Um, if we're not going to give them a particular problem, to, you know, when when they're working with us, and we're not going to subject them to to a particular, you know, kinds of working, then why do we mm. do this in, in an interview? You know what I mean? No. Like, yeah. why are we timing things in interviews, or, or why yeah, we exactly. give them stupid, uh, you know, here's an algorithm that that you need to write to solve this weird problem that you're not going mm. to solve ever for us. Yeah. You know, so I, I think it, it just just takes away the, that uh, ability for you to be able to ascertain whether this person will be a good fit for you long term. Oh, it's fantastic. It's um, yeah, it's a very uh, you know, great ideal way of doing it because yeah, you do see a lot of candidates throw up that meme on on um on LinkedIn where it's like the interview process being Godzilla, and then the yes. job is like, you know, you're coming up against Godzilla, and then the job is like you're wrestling a teddy bear, teddy bear. You know, that's like, it, right? <laughs> and, and and the thing is, um. Like not not in a bad way. I'm I'm not, I'm not saying that that uh, you know we we didn't have complicated problems to solve. Don't get me wrong, mm. we did, right? Yeah. But a, a really bad example would be you know sometimes I you know I, I'd go into a, a particular uh, interview uh, in, in the in the back in the day, right? And then mm. they'd have weird questions like um, how would you calculate the amount of uh, windows in a particular building this high, this wide, whatever it may be, right? That's, that's a very bad bad example. Yeah. Like the, those, those kind of scenarios would never be, you know, seen in in, in your day to day in a work environment. Yeah. You know? no, Instead, yeah. we we give them things like, um, like one of the questions I love asking, okay, is this, um, you know, you you have you have a, uh, an application, data driven application with with this particular database. This is how the the architecture is. I I, I draw it up as well, and like this is yep. the architecture that we've got. And then you know, one day you you find that your application is running very very slow. Just talk to me about. What are some of the things that you, you do to try and figure out where the slowness is, the, 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 where the bottleneck might be? You know, talk to me about how you you would go through the the um, the flow and, and and determine where the the issues might be. And then, in your experience, what are some of the the uh, stuff that that uh, you've identified has that has been issues in scenarios like this? Right? Mm-hmm. Give them scenarios like that because those are what they will do day to day. You know, yeah. our applications will run slow, and then you have to go through and then try and figure it out. That's something they'll do, you know, quite often with with us. Well, here's that's the scenario that I'll give you during the interview process. Seems pretty simple, right? Why overcomplicate it? it? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It is. It is. It is very very simple. <laughs> All right, Renil, thank you so much for your time and and um, you know being vulnerable enough to share that process. And I think a lot of people where they're sort of contemplating and looking at you know if they're realizing they're losing candidates through the the process and the interview process, they could really look at using this as a template. And um, you know the proof is in the pudding of you guys being able to scale the team quite quickly. 
Um, no, absolutely. Talk. And look, I, I really appreciate this, Sam. I, I know I've spoken a lot, but uh, <laughs> I'm really hoping <laughs> the viewers get some nuggets. And then, like I said, right at the very beginning, okay, this is just my opinion, the way uh, you know we did it and then what worked for us. Yep. It's not a silver bullet, okay? Some some things that we do are probably not the right things anyway. So sure. take it with a grain of salt, um, you know, but if you, if you can get something out of what we do and, and, and it works for you, oh, that'll be freaking awesome. All right, awesome. All right, thank you so much, mate. Uh, thank you so much, Sam. I really appreciate it. All right. Cheers. All right.